man cannot fly. The doers said, maybe, but we'll try. And finally soared in the morning glow while non-believers watched out from below. Thank you, Bruce Lee. We're Heroes 101 Radio. I'm the guy from New York that they call Spectre. And, uh, you know, that, that quote to me is, is about getting things done. It's about the fact that uh, don't listen to the naysayers, just crack on and do it. And I'll tell you, with me tonight is the veritable queen of getting stuff done at the moment. It's the lovely rock and roll from San Francisco. <laughs> Hello, greetings. I like that. I, I like that. Oh, the queen of getting things done. No pressure. Thanks. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. And on the board, being a smartass as usual, is my other partner in crime, Nightbug. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Bruce Lee is a, uh, a, pretty, good, um, a pretty good quote to start with tonight because we've got some uh, very interesting martial arts-themed stuff that we're going to be talking with a very special guest in a minute who you've probably seen, but we're going to introduce him with a, a glorious fanfare in a second but uh before we do before we do who the heck are we rock we are heroes 101 radio and and why do we call ourselves heroes well you know no one should give themselves the title of heroes but if we put that on our radio show you'll know that it has to do with well something to do with trying to be a better person, a better you, being better for the community. Um, we started off with the Hero Initiative Group, which is a global group of people who are trying to, our motto is, uh, be your own hero and save the world one good deed at a time. So you'll see us out there picking up garbage, teaching free self-defense, um, you know, teaching um, emergency preparedness, doing street patrols, crime patrols, Feeding the homeless, everything. That's what we do, and uh, we do that all in the spirit of um, trying to be our own heroes. How's that? Was that okay? We, Was that okay? Yeah, and when you put it that way, you know, uh, doing stuff for free, giving our money to the homeless, you know, kind of picking up garbage, you know, it sounds, it sounds pretty glamorous. So uh, if you're out there thinking, so how do glam. I get in on this sweet gig, um, yeah. <laughs> feel free to uh, drop us a message. It is a sweet gig, hey? We, we uh, as, as much as it's... Uh, it, it's not the highest paid job in the world, but it pays in other ways. And uh, oh my God, if, like uh, yeah, if you're interested in getting involved, we would love to have you involved. And maybe we'll uh, we'll talk about some things in a minute that may motivate you as well. But uh, you know, get in touch via Facebook. We've got uh, hero initiative groups uh, all over the country, from New York to San Francisco and uh, London as well. So don't uh, don't use it as an excuse. You know, I was on patrol recently with a guy who came over from London and was complaining about, uh, you know, we haven't got uh, haven't got a team out here in London. It would be so much easier if we were. And I said, aha, <laughs> can't right. use that excuse anymore, right? We've uh, we've got a very active team in London, so uh, he's now uh, he's now in contact. Oh, that's fantastic! There you awesome. go, small world. Yeah. So you know, talking about getting stuff done, we've uh, we've got some really exciting stuff to talk about this week. But uh, top of my brain, just because I've seen a sneaky peeky of it, <laughs> is uh, is Nation of Heroes, and holy crap, it looks great, and I, I'm excited. Um, so I don't know, Rock, do you want to tell people what Nation of Heroes is was? Absolutely, uh, Nation of Heroes is our group's documentary web series and what it's about is as as you can probably surmise from the title about heroes all around America and globally uh we had this idea that we wanted to to balance out all the negativity cuz i think when we started the idea it was back when 
Oh my God! When Honey Boo Boo was really popular, as were the uh. jo- Jersey Wives or whatever they were, and um, there was so much negativity and despair on the media, uh, in the media rather, that we thought, you know, we need some balance here because you're not hearing enough good stories. There is no, you know, well, there's a small one here in San Francisco. There's a station dedicated to giving only good news stories, but. You know, we want to we want to hear what people are doing in their neighborhoods. We want to hear how average Joe has cleaned up an entire lot all by himself and now turned it into a baseball field for, you know, underprivileged kids, things like that. So we thought, let's go on a road trip and find these heroes. Um, let's take a certain amount of time and let's go from point A to point B. That that doesn't sound like a big undertaking, but of course we have to do everything in the biggest way possible. So we didn't just take like a couple of days; we took three freaking weeks. Point A to point B was, oh my God, I don't even know how many. Let's see, from here to New York, but we just didn't go in a straight line. We went up and down, hit Louisiana, and went up through there. It was ridiculous, um, and we did it with seven people in a van. So we got funding for that through all of you wonderful people who contributed to our fundraising accounts. And uh, and this started two years ago. And lo and behold, we have something to show you finally, finally, after all this time tomorrow. Oh, that wasn't tomorrow. such a charno, was it? That was one of the toughest 25, 27 days of my life, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, but it was also the most rewarding. And you literally rolled out of bed and started editing like every day for the last yeah i did it was like it was yeah i'd I'd roll out of bed go to sleep editing anyway um it comes out tomorrow and the thing that's important for you listeners is you may know somebody who's amazing who's making changes in their community and who's an unsung hero well we want to know about them because we would love to feature them in an episode, because this is a documentary web series, and it's going to keep going as long as people are interested in these stories, because we believe that this stuff needs to be seen. So um, with that, I'll give it back to Spectre, because <laughs> that was a really long explanation. That's what no, you get. I, I, and, and I must admit, I don't want to. I don't want to throw out any spoilers. This is like Age of Ultron all over again, isn't it? But uh, I um, there's something you say in in an episode which is along the lines of, "We're not filmmakers, but there's a story to be told." And uh, you know, to me, that that comes across. You know, it's not it's not Spielberg, is it? But at the same time, it's very human and tells a very human story of you know people trying to help people, which is uh, about as inspiring as it gets in my book. Oh, thank you. You know what? Thank you for pointing that out, too, because really, we're not, we know filmmakers, but we're not filmmakers. We are people with a really nice camera, um, (laughs) whatever we can afford, and people with a desire and people who will break a few rules to, like, climb over a fence to get a better shot and, you know, something like that. But really, it's the story that we want you to, it's the people that we, that we got across, you know, the United States, um, that we really want you to pay attention to. Don't don't send us freaking mail about how it needed better color correction. You know what? Screw that. <laughs> Stop God. being so damn picky. Now uh, you're going to have everyone looking at the color correction. Good. You know what? Write Mark. me a letter. I'll throw it away. <laughs> anyway. No reward is worth this. Camera for next time. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> if, you, if you want to help fund the next one, that's that's some great uh, great support right there. We need a Bruce Wayne. We need one. 
We need a Mr. Wayne funding us stuff. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Indeed. So, and and the, the first the pilot that you're going to see tomorrow from from Nation of Heroes is about the biggest grand high poo bar of all uh, superhero events, which is Project Hope in in San Diego, uh, which <laughs> is coincidentally or not coincidentally not not very far away as well, right? Right. It is actually July 10th is Project Hope, and um, you know not to give too much of that away too because really the trailer. London time, our guy in London, Joe London is his name, uh, he's going to launch it as soon as it hits midnight London time. When is that, Spectre? You should know. You just came back from there not too, like, so that, that a few was, weeks that ago. Was, um, that was three hours ago. Um, oh, really? He, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I better check if he, uh, better check if he put he it out there. He might not be doing it. He may be asleep. But, uh, oh, yeah, when, yeah, when yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 3 a.m. They're in the future. They're in the future. That's so trippy yeah. to me. <laughs> We're so they easily entertained. But, yeah, Project Hope is coming up. And if you are listening and you're part of the real-life superhero um, community or would like to be, that's a bunch of do-gooders, by the way, who sometimes wear costumes, sometimes don't, and obviously do good deeds um, around the world. There are thousands now. If you're part of that, then you really want to learn about Project Hope because so far, right now, it's the biggest meetup of real-life superheroes um, to do to do a gigantic outreach during the Comic-Con weekend and it happens only once a year. So, you know, check out our uh check out our documentary pilot tomorrow because you may learn something about Project Hope. Yeah, I tell you no what, problem. if you're thinking why the heck would I want to pay money to go all the way to San Diego just to hang out with a bunch of people in costumes, watch that documentary and that that will explain exactly why. Right. Um, so talking of travel, I, I had some guests here in, in New York here on uh, on Saturday, um, a couple of uh, real-life superheroes from Montreal. I, I don't know whether you've ever met Artemis before, who uh, does a lot of work with uh, Lightstep in Montreal. No, but uh, I believe Artemis and I have chatted a bit, I, because Artemis's name sounds really, I believe Artemis is the one that, that we've, we've chatted before online, of course. Yeah, so so Artemis and, and a friend of hers who who will remain nameless <laughs> from from their request um, were down here in New York and and we did a we actually had a patrol coming up anyway which was part homeless outreach but also part um, investigation of a, a shooting there was a, a multiple shooting on on Friday in in Harlem <clears throat> where we were doing the homeless project so we kind of covered both um, but uh, but yeah they came down the weather was probably the worst patrol weather I've ever had it was just like six hours of just torrential rain. We we were just oh drowned rats by the end of it. It was like not one item of clothing was even vaguely dry. Everything was just drenched. Um, wow. We, we had a good night. We were successful. We uh, we fed, uh, I mean, at least 30 homeless people um, and gave out a whole bunch of supplies and um, you know, just uh, just just the regular New York stuff that we do, but with uh, with a couple of friends, which was nice to uh, nice to make some new friends and, and meet some good people. Yeah, no kidding. So you guys were out there in the pouring rain. That's uh, I, I give you credit. Most people would have said, "Ah, screw it, I'm gonna stay home." So that's quite heroic of you, sir. Yeah, that's what we do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I don't know. We need a Bruce Wayne. I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> we could do so much more if we had anyway, we're we're working on it. Yeah. So the talking talking of Bruce Wayne's and and I and I don't want to detract from our guest. Have we got our guest uh, waiting in the wings at the moment or have I got uh, a few minutes? 
We're waiting for his call. Yeah, he. We told him. Uh, we told him that you and I like to talk a little bit beforehand. Yeah, so you know, I, I really don't want to be talking over this guy. He's. Uh, he looks like he <laughs> could snap your neck like a twig. So let, <laughs> I thought I'd check that. Right. His um, wife could snap our necks like twigs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Forget about him. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so talking of uh, fundraising, we, we've also got the Warrior Dash coming up, which. You know, I guess we talked a couple of months ago with Misfit and White Scorpion about the Warrior Dash, and if you don't if you don't know what it is, it's something that's been going on uh, the, the past few years. And uh, Misfit, who's a, a real life superhero herself, um, has a, a fundraising team who have done incredible work, raised nearly fifty thousand dollars for the St Jude's Cancer Research Children's Hospital, um, which specifically does uh, fundraising for for children with cancer and other other terminal diseases. Um, and this year, there, there is no uh, Californian Warrior Dash. It's it's, uh, it's not happening. So the whole team, including uh, your your hosts on this radio show, um, by hook or by crook, are going to be uh, traveling to Tennessee in October, and uh, and we're going to be participating in the Mother of All Warrior Dashes in Tennessee with Misfits team. So uh, holy crap, that that should be uh, should be a fun weekend, I think. You know, I got to tell our listeners, I I can't my co-host sector is in really good well you seem to be in really good shape and and he was worried he's been worrying i'm busting you out here specter worrying about you know being in in good enough shape and being fit enough to do this warrior dash thing and i'm i'm like i guess i should worry a little bit more because <laughs> you know what well you know what i i guess because i even though we're training like when we're in the gym today we're working the crap out of our arms right bug Oh man. Yeah, his arms are still sore right now. But um you know, it's the cool thing about the warrior dash is if something looks like say you've got acrophobia and something cuz there are two-story things you could climb. Um you know, with water coming down, et cetera. It sounds really dangerous and some of it can be. People have been injured, but um for the most part it's pretty safe if you use your common sense. However, with that, I'm saying that um you know, there are, there are little um, paths around the obstacles that you can take. So if you see something that's terrible and you're scared to do one of these, you know, if you're scared to do one of these warrior dashes because you go, oh, my God, I've seen those those obstacles. They're they're awful. You can walk around one. You can. They give you the option. So there, there's no, you know, there's no dishonor in walking around one. It's better than going home with a broken clavicle, which happened to somebody while we were there. Somebody actually broke their clavicle. So... Not to scare you, host of mine. So. Oh, man. You know what? I, I was doing all right with this until two things. First of all, I made the mistake of researching what, what kind of training should you do before doing one of these mud runs. And there, are, there are people who say things like, you shouldn't even attempt a mud run until you can, body, you can, until you can bench press one and a half times your own body weight. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Oh, God. I realize how much I weigh. Like, that's that's <laughs> Um, and to make matters worse, I, I have a friend who did a, who recently did a Spartan race, and he's in great shape. He runs triathlons. He's you know he looks looks like a beast. Um, I, I asked him afterwards, you know, what what kind of time did you get in the Spartan race? And he sheepishly said that he didn't even finish, um, despite the armies of people who were trying to help him over the obstacles. He actually just quit halfway through because it was just awful. <laughs> and, uh, oh, well. <laughs> 
Okay. You so. know, the Spartan race is tough, though. That's I, I, I've i seen what they advertise, and I've seen their obstacles. Because you can go on all these races, and they'll give you, you know, like for your area, you can click on what the obstacle course looks like and get, well, at least with the Warrior Dash, you can see up close what obstacles you're going to be attempting. And you know what? The Spartan race is not for beginners. Yeah, the Warrior Dash is not the end-all, be-all of Mun Runs. It's, 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 if you've never done something like that before, it's a good place to start, but... Was it the Spartan or was it a, the uh, Tough Mudder that had the, uh, they have a banner somewhere that says, Warrior Dash ends here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So uh, I'm not saying it's super simple, easy, because it's not. Oh, no. There's, there, no, not at all. You know, you're crawling. Uh, I remember one, one obstacle that we did, uh, I think probably my least favorite one was the, um, Crawling on your hands and knees, unless you could spider or crab walk like like Bug did. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, for you, because you're so used to that Spider-Man <laughs> crap. Me, I was going, okay, this is not fun. And you, and you can't stand up, because once you commit to an obstacle, you're committed. Because above you is sometimes barbed wire. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I think the most fun parts of the mud run, the mud. You yeah. know, And that might sound gross. Or it might sound obvious to you, but um, you know when you're you're kind of waist high in mud, it's like you don't care anymore. You're just you're having fun. You're just like G- get me through this. I don't care. I'm just gonna get out of the mud. Yeah, and you, so, you know I must admit the thing the thing that kind of challenges me a little bit is uh, looking at there are some obstacles that involve either climbing ropes or climbing across things using ropes, and you know it gives me flashbacks to being a you know a skinny ginger kid at school with asthma. So, <laughs> stood in a gym at the bottom of a rope that was like 400 times taller than I was, looking up at it with some gym instructor screaming at me and managing to climb like six inches of this rope before I fell down. <laughs> like, oh, my God. You poor so, thing. So, you know, You're I'm actually going to go out this weekend. I'm going to buy a rope. I'm going to string it up to my daughter's balcony on the house, and I'm going to be climbing that freaking thing <laughs> until <laughs> until I can climb it like Spider-Man. You know, that's... Okay. Uh, yeah. Please be careful. I don't want to hear your Facebook post that says, I don't want to read it that says, okay, yeah, so I uh, broke my leg because I was <laughs> doing some dumbass thing like climbing a rope outside my daughter's. You know what? Here's the thing that you don't realize. The Warrior Dash, when we did it the first year, we did it with a ton of people who've never trained with anything before. And they all made it, you know. And uh, you know why? There was someone who was afraid of uh one of those really high obstacles and she she got to the top of the two-story wall that we had to climb and sat there for a second she made it back down because everybody is so so very supportive and no one's in a giant hurry there's no dickish people out there saying can you hurry oh i think somebody like that would be slapped out there i'd do it but um (laughs) I would, I'd smack them. I think but you did. Everybody, everybody's very supportive. Uh, if somebody needs help getting up, you got like a million hands coming out to help you get up. So I wouldn't stress too much about it. Train like hell because it's better to be prepared just in right. case, right? Right. Which is what I'm going to do. <laughs> because I, you know what? One warrior dash that I was in. I won't lie, I um, I had been, I never, I rarely ever drink, and um, I had a few drinks with part of my initiative team that was here for that Warrior Dash the night before, didn't hydrate enough that day, and actually had to quit part of the Warrior Dash because I became dehydrated to the point where 
the EMTs there had to make sure I was okay. So that was stupid. Um, so you and I are going to watch out for each other, right, Spectre? Yeah, I think we got each other's backs. So I think I think we'll yeah. be all right in this one. Yeah, no drinking the night before. I'm sorry, that's just retarded. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. no. None of that. <laughs> Bug's like, nope, nope. Been Do there. No more. Suffered through that. So, yeah. speaking of prepared, which is what our show is all about, um, and we promise you, as soon as our our host, I mean, our guest calls in, we will have him on here instantly. But I think it's it's a great idea to have someone on here who you know, because we always try to, if this is one of your first or second times listening, we always try to have someone on who can teach you something that you need to know in life, uh, life skills, something really uh, useful. And um, self-defense is really big with us because I think uh, all of us, Bug, Spectre, and I uh, are all, you know, we've all been trained. And personally, I don't know about you, Spectre, but uh, whenever I hear anybody doing foolish things that gets them hurt, I I just want to shake them. Or put an arm around them and go, you know what? Okay, it's a lesson learned. Tell you what, let's try this. How about we have a seminar, a two-hour seminar, and we go over the basics of self-defense? So, um, do you feel that way when you when you you know? I just don't go. Oh well, that's what happens. I always think, nope, we can do something. We can go forward from here, and part of that is being prepared. Yeah, you know, I, I must admit, I have a lot of respect for the people who come in and, and, and you know, flat out admit, I you know, I don't have a martial arts background. You know, maybe I've done a bit of karate when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, and right. then they fess up and they're honest about it. And, and those people are very easy to help because, you know, personally, I, I don't think there's a great deal of complexity to street street self-defense. I don't think you need, you know, Aikido and Jiu-Jitsu and all of this stuff. You know, I think there's a certain amount of just, general boxing that you can just drill and and general kind of preparedness drills and if you go through those probably in six months a person could be fairly capable and and be able to look after themselves fairly well um you know they're not going to be an expert they're not going to be running into a fist fight and and knocking people out but that that's not what we do you know we're we're there to look out for each other and keep each other safe um Right. But on the other end of the scale, there are the people who are just bullshit artists, and uh, and those those are the tough ones because you know I've been out with a, with a number of people. I went out with one guy who um, seemed to be the real deal. He talked a lot about martial arts, and he he had some part time job in some martial arts gym, um, and uh, and he he actually broke my shin training with him. We were supposed to be doing shin on shin um, uh, kind of resistance training to to build up resistance and. Um, he he ended up spiking me with his knee on on some roundhouse kick and, and just fractured my shin, which sucked. oh, um, and yeah, this guy, you know, we we were out on patrol one night and he said to me, uh, you know, I'm a black belt in seventy different weapon styles. And what this the hell? Twenty one, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I kind of did the maths and I said, how did you possibly manage to learn seventy different weapon styles? And he turned around and said to me, from YouTube videos, and there we go, <laughs> drop the exactly. Mic. <laughs> exactly. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, and you know this, but this kid thought he knew everything. He quoted Bruce Lee like it was going out of style, and you know, and and I ended up getting tired of just hearing the same old crap. Um, but the trouble was because he he kind of created this whole fantasy in his head about being a martial arts guru. Um, 
there was one time we were down in, in the West Village and a fight erupted between two fairly large groups of guys um, outside a nightclub. And this kid jumped straight in the middle of them like he's Jackie Chan. <gasps> And uh, wow. it was the dumbest thing. And literally, I, I ended up having to say to him, you're not coming out on patrol with us anymore. You know, we're, we're done. Um, it, it was just too dangerous and, and too stupid. So, uh, you know, I, some people I, I kind of feel like unless they're willing to, to admit that they need to train and learn something, you really can't help them. There you go. Always with the empty cup, right? <laughs> I'm <It's>... sorry. <laughs> And I've just been on no, vacation. No, 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 no. I didn't mean. No, 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 no. I, I didn't mean. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. It wasn't. I, I didn't mean the cup is half empty. No, no, no. I meant empty cup. Bruce Lee. Oh, you know, Bruce Lee's empty you, cup. Yeah, right. Be empty like, cup. That's yeah. a, <laughs> No, I wasn't going always oh, so damn negative. No, 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 darling. No, no. <laughs> no, but no. Uh, you know, the approach approach learning with the empty cup. That's what I'm saying. That's that's the why. You're right. You can tell people right away by if they want to talk about how much they know and, and what they can do. And, you know, it's those empty vessels that make the most noise. So, um, yeah, the kid, ooh, I'm glad you said he couldn't come out on patrol anymore because he's an accident for you waiting to happen, you know. So yeah, and better it's not funny, you know, you, you meet some people who are desperate to come along and train, and you meet other people who only want to teach and you know, and 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 I'm I'm all for people, you know, getting involved in teaching seminars, and and you know, Dark Guardian and I used to do it. We used to have people who who didn't even really know martial arts that well who would assist us in it, just because they they kind of got the basics down, and and they were actually good teachers, whether or not they were good martial artists. Um, but there are some people who, whose ego just wouldn't let them learn anything, who, who, you know, were just insisting that, you know, if they weren't teaching a class, they didn't even want to listen to it. And and that that kind of attitude, you know, kind of sucks. And, uh, oh, we really no. Yeah. It. Not good at all. And And those are the ones you have to watch out for, the ones who have no ability to learn. And speaking of learning... I see that we've got somebody on hold that I think it's time for us to bring on board. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah? Oh, yeah? I think so. I think so. Okay. I'm I'm so excited now. This is Yay. Yay. Oh my goodness. Welcome. Is this is this Mr. McYoung? God, I hope so. I'm wearing his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, after that, he can just drop the mic. That was it. Drop to the mic. Yeah, okay. That's the first line ever. <laughs> Sorry about that. I no, I had to take awesome. the wife to a doctor's appointment. We just got home late. Oh, no worries. No, we're, we're so happy to have you here. Well, thank you for having me here. And um, I've, I've got to say, it's, uh, you know, my husband, Nightbug, who's on the board, the one who's been in touch with you all this time, has, you know, it's, He's always reposting something that you post up on your, you know, on your site. And I'm always like, I can tell who that is even before I see the name. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Who's, I'm like, that's, that's Mark. Don't even show me. Yep, yep, that's him. So, yeah. welcome. Well, yeah, I do have a certain flair for, shall we say, annoying people. No, no. It's, you know what? We haven't got there yet. Maybe... Maybe you could annoy us later, but I think we're we're a little starstruck right now. We're ready to learn. We're going to act really dumb. Well, some of us don't act, but um, so that we can learn more from you tonight. So, <laughs> okay. Well, I, it's 
it's not that I actually know all that much. It's just that I have a lot of experience with doing stupid things. <laughs> so, you know, my wife asked me, there's a, there's a rule of the street, which is you never ask a guy how he gets his nickname. Trust me, you don't want to know how a guy named One Punch got his nickname. <laughs> right? Well, the thing is, my wife looked out uh, back in the days when the Internet was young and there was only like one Starbucks in this town that I live in. And uh, she saw this guy that had what she called the WWF name. And she noticed that one of the things is martial artists are very contentious people, although there are some who would disagree. And she noticed that there were some all these people going, well, yes, animal, that's true, animal. Now that you mention it, that is the case. So she contacted me and said, who are you and what is with this stupid WWF name? <laughs> and my response is my standard thing, which is, you know, I got the name by doing all the stupid and dangerous things you have to do to get it. <laughs> right? So don't think that I'm particularly brilliant on this. You know, I actually had to learn the hard way because when people say, don't do this, I said, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question to ask, though, right? You what? know what? I, I was going to actually introduce you with, with uh, you know, I kind of opened up the show with a Bruce Lee quote, but um, my Uh-oh. favorite Bruce Lee quote, which which I don't know, maybe I was going to introduce you with this, but uh, is the one that says, use only that which works and take from it any place you can find it. Or take it from any place you can find it, even if I could uh, read it correctly. <laughs> but uh, something you know that, like that. Yeah, um, you know that. Yeah, except for there's something I've learned. Um, I okay, I do have martial arts training, and the fact of the matter is, I studied under people two grandmasters who kicked Bruce Lee out. Right. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Not that I was any better, mind you, but, you know, um, it gives me somewhat of a different opinion of him. Um, One of the things that that which is useful often really boils down to what you can understand right now. And, you know, if you're not careful, and this is something I learned the hard way, if you're not careful, you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater because you don't understand something at the time. So a lot of the stuff that I would come out and I say, you know, look, it doesn't work, throw it out. Um, years later, I would revisit it, I would look at it, and most of the time what I found was something had been lost. So it wasn't that the thing didn't work, it was just that particular version didn't work. So I had to go, oh, wait a minute, it's time to reframe my, reframe my thinking here and start looking at, okay, what is it, why does it work, why does it not work, and what are the limits to it? Now, that may, not, that may sound really esoteric, but when you're talking about getting your head, your head blown off, there's some really practical considerations on that. And what I found is a lot of the stuff that I didn't think worked a long time ago was based on the fact I didn't understand it. 
Yeah, you know, that, that's interesting because I, I went through a similar kind of evolution. You know, as a kid, I learned uh, traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu, which is mm-hmm. obviously a highly cerebral martial art. And I probably understood 5% of what I was learning tops. <laughs> wow, you um, did really well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, as you say, coming on to other martial arts later in life, um, there are certain things I remember about pressure points and, and you know, some, some of the uh, the throw techniques and, and break falling, for example, there incredibly useful to know now that that actually weren't worth a lot to me back then so yeah i think you know it's a really good point you know it's amazing how good uh all that martial arts and throwing training is when you move to a place where they have this thing called ice (laughs) 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 you know i found some of the most great and wonderful applications of of the arts have come not actually in fighting but in day-to-day stuff, like I am wicked when it comes to breaking up frozen vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> My kung fu is strong. <laughs> Chopping broccoli. Chopping broccoli. <laughs> the kale has no power over me. Whap! <laughs> Excellent. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so, what y'all want to talk about this evening? So I, I guess you know I, I was um, I, you know I was doing a bit of research on you and in, in a kind of trying to be non creepy about it, but uh, <laughs> somewhat. It's okay. Way. You wouldn't be my first stalker. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Nightbug beat me to it, I think. But um, but yeah, you know I was reading about some of your your background and where you came from, and, and obviously you know your your kind of upbringing within within the LA scene, and you know I was just interested in in how you think that that formed you. Um, and, and kind of drove you down the, the path that you ended up taking in terms of training and, and careers. Oh, could you ask something like a little <laughs> less difficult, like uh, explaining women to you or something? <laughs> Martial arts is a good one. <laughs> um, actually, I learned I learned good things from all of them, and what I. That's the thing. I took away so much from so many different places, and yet what, again, I didn't understand a lot of the other stuff. Um, certain things had been lost, which once you plug it in, I mean, there there are certain moves like in Kata, for example, that I could never understand. I looked at this. I tried my best. Okay. There was just no way, shape, or form that this would work the way it was being explained to me, right? There's one particular move that is a double back fist down low, followed by putting your fist up to your right ear and then turning to the left and kneeling down, right? And as you're doing that, you do something that looks like a punch. Now, this was told to me as two guys grab you from behind, you step forward, punch them in the groin, um, block an attack from the guy on your right, and then turn and punch the guy down on the left. And I sat there and I looked at it, and there was no way I could make that work. Right? First of all, I have issues about blocking a punch that I don't see coming. Second of all, why do I want to turn and attack somebody who's down on the ground when there's still a guy standing behind me on my right? right. Didn't make any sense. Um, and yet it would be decades later 
that somebody walked up and explained to me, uh, no, actually, that's when somebody bear hugs you from behind, you reach up, grab his head, and you turn and throw him on his head. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> that makes sense. Now... Along with that, I, I have a question because... Um, I didn't like do it. Said, I don't care what the video said. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. There was my question. Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, um, drop the mic. Drop the mic. Yeah, um, but uh, you know what? Because I, I was reading about you and, and, man, a cooler? I haven't heard that description in a long time. That's pretty cool. Um, but everything that you've done... You know, you've been around where fights break out, especially where I was reading about how you're, you know, you'd be there where there are 30,000 people admitted in too many bar stands. What is the the biggest type of fight that you see breaking out? What the, the type of fight rather that you see breaking out the most out in your everyday scene, be it a bar or um a um um okay, you're going to really get accustomed to this this answer. It depends. Um, realistically one of the things is I've seen so much different types of violence that for a very long time it blurred together and it all kind of looked the same to me but over time what I began to realize is there's all kinds of different violence Okay, and it really depends on who the players are. See, so it's, you know, I tell people, for example, you're not really likely to get carjacked on the freeway, right? Right. What you'll run into more along the lines is insurance fraud. Um, But when you're in an area that doesn't have good traffic flow, or you're in a parking lot, there you're more likely to run into a carjacker. Right. Right, where the guy can walk up to you before you get in the car in the parking lot, or he can walk up to your car as it's sitting there at a stoplight or a stop sign. Okay, so when you ask what's the most common type, first of all, I'm going to have to give some background here, or back, you know, background color and noise, let's call it is there's two types of violence. There's asocial and social. Social violence is the most common. Social violence is what we as humans who act in groups are designed to do. And there's all sorts of reasons for social violence. One form of social violence is what people think of as a fight. That's two guys who look at it, you know, he looks at me once, he looks at me twice, looks at me again, there's going to be a fight. Mm -hmm. Right? This is typical male dominance. You know, this is who I am. And it's funny because it doesn't happen between people of wildly different uh, social status. Fights occur between equals. Wow, okay. Right. Yeah, because you got to figure out who's the top dog. Okay. Um... Violence, on the other hand, that is a just reach over and smack them on the back of the head, is basically more of a dominance, I'm in charge, do not challenge, 
you know, the rules, do not misbehave, do not do all this. Um, that sort of stuff is very common. So, you know, when you ask what kind of violence, the answer really is it depends on what kind of people you're talking about. You know, what's the age group? What's the socioeconomic? What are the, you know, what are the relationships? Are they two strangers? Are they two friends? I mean, what? <laughs> right. Yeah, see, that's one of those things of there's no such thing as easy answers in this business. Right? No. It, but it's kind of like, as I tell people, it's like learning the math. Right? Learn to do the math. There are certain things that are consistent. They mean this. That's pretty much it. And when you see this, it means that. Right? But once you get to that point where you can look at it and realize, okay, 7 plus 3 is one answer, 7 minus 3 is another, 7 times 3 is a different one altogether. Right? Even though you have the same variables or the same factors, the variables change the whole situation. Right. 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 So, I mean, if you ask, what what do I see the most? Well, uh pissed off people who are fighting over social uh, or or doing violence over social uh, issues. See, doesn't make much sense, that answer, does it? Until you know the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So whether it's a mother, you know, reaching out and smacking her kid who's misbehaving, um, whether it's two guys in a fight, whether it's a cop using use of force, you know, professional force on somebody, to stop unacceptable behavior, whether it's rule enforcement, I've seen them all. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I see, you know, from your your career, you know, before you you got into the most recent business, you were a bodyguard, you were a bouncer, you worked in security, so, you know, I guess similar themed jobs, but, um, you know, what, what kind of what kind of training did you find that, that was most um, relevant to those roles? Because, you know, I guess in those people roles... Skills. Those. People <laughs> skills. Okay. People skills. Learning how to communicate with people. Um, here's one of the bizarre things. Social violence, and quite frankly, most asocial violence, which asocial violence can be broken down into two types. One is resource predation or protection. Um, that's your, you know, gee, I'm hungry. Guess what? The cow goes, you know, or the chicken goes goes into the pot tonight. Um, resource predation or protection is over things that can be put into a wheelbarrow. Right. Right. Okay. It's really simple, and that's a totally different type of violence than social violence. Okay. Um, social violence is over rules, over behaviors, over standards, over, you know, who's, you know, who's higher in the pecking order, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the reason I'm telling you this is one of the most amazing things to understand is that violence comes with instructions how to avoid it. Hmm. And that's yeah. really important for us to know, and I hope you'll go into that more because Well, we can, because yeah. when somebody says, shut up or I'm going to kick your ass, this is not the time to start commenting about his mother's, uh, his habits with his mother. 
right? Don't say that about him and her. It doesn't go over well, right? That is not shutting up, okay? But there's part of our brain, which we call the monkey, that it's like, who are you to tell me to shut up? So right. I just got to say that comment about your testicles on your mother's chin. <laughs> right? You're not, you're not going to tell me what to do. All right. Now, a robber, when he comes up and sticks a gun in your face and says, give me your money, that is a really simple contract. Give me your money and I won't hurt you. Okay. Again, instructions how to avoid it. So the goal of most of most violence is something other than violence itself. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. When I say violence comes with instructions to avoid it, what are they telling you to do to stop the violence or to prevent violence? Pretty simple. Now, asocial predators are the boogeymen. Those are the serial killers, the monsters, the abusers, all those, you know, that we go, oh, no, what if, what if, what if about? Okay. They're actually pretty rare. I mean, like, hen's teeth rare. Okay. <laughs> but having said that, um, this is a type of violence that the goal is violence. Okay. It's right. not violence is a mean to an end. The mean the end is violence. So the person actually is getting off on doing violence. Right? Now, when I say that most violence or violence comes with instructions how to avoid it, ninety five percent of the time those are legitimate instructions. If you shut up and leave, there will not be violence. Okay, with the asocial predators, that's it's a lie, and they'll say something like, "Okay, I won't hurt you if you get in the car." <laughs> Not only no, right. but hell no. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> See, but there's certain ways you can tell, you can spot the asocial predator's behavior. Right, because it doesn't make sense in comparison to the other types. See, so I have a saying, which is once you know what normal is, you can spot abnormal. But until you know what normal is, you can't spot abnormal. Say, Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and I mean, so much of what I do is help people to recognize these unconscious patterns that have served our species for 200,000 years at least, right? Because we have these, these programs are actually wired into us. And if we follow them, if we understand them, we can control the situation and be safe. Hmm. I was trying to remember where I heard a quote that was something along the lines of, uh, sorry, uh, Rock's holding the mic holder to me because I'm normally just soundboard guy. Um, there you go. <laughs> the, the quote that was along the lines of, um, the mark of a strong species is the ability to deny your basic impulses. 
something to that degree. That's that's. Wow, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> you see, here's where I have a kind of a. Um, I have a real serious problem with a lot of what we call modern ideologies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is our brains are wired to operate a certain way. Okay, we are small, tribalistic in nature. We are very, very compassionate to those in our tribe. Right? The other guys we don't like so much. (laughs) Okay. Um, The thing is, that wiring has worked for over 200,000 years. I mean, we can't say millions of years, but Homo sapiens only have a 200-year um, or 200,000-year time on this planet. Okay. Now, our brains are wired to do that. That's a 200,000-year track record of small tribes in competition with each other. Kept our species alive. We took over this planet. Okay, that's a pretty good track record. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, and then we're told by modern ideology that we have to think a certain way, we have to accept all human beings as our equals, um, we have to be egalitarian, we we can't be tribalistic, and let's all get together and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> okay, um, that doesn't necessarily work, but on the other hand, when we pretend that it works, we end up with civilization. So, not really. <laughs> I'm kind of torn on this issue. <laughs> okay. But the thing, yeah, but see, the thing about it is, is that when we have small tribes working together, we end up with bigger tribes. We end up with civilizations. We end up with even call them nations, which, by the way, did you know that the concept of nations really didn't exist until Napoleonic times? Mm. So when I say it's new, right, I mean, we. the first thing, our own constitution came about 12 years after the Declaration of Independence. We tried a confederation of small tribes that we called states, and it wasn't working so well. So we created an Uber tribe that we call the United States. Okay, but when you think of as a nation, in the early days of our of this country, we were 12 independent or 13 independent colonies. Right? It wasn't the until the French Revolution, that the idea of a nation, a unified nation, came about. See? So our history of being small tribes and, like, not liking each other goes way back than what we think of as today. And this is really important because the kind of violence you will do to somebody inside your tribe is totally different than what you're going to do to somebody who's outside your tribe. It's interesting you, you mentioned that, actually, because, you know, I, I've noticed coming over to New York, and I've, I've been here 
you know, we, we do public safety patrols pretty much every week, and, and mm-hmm. I've been here doing that for about five years. And mm-hmm. you know, we, we started off down in the West Village where it's nightclubs spilling out into the street. And, and as mm-hmm. you say, that's very much a group of friends having a disagreement or peers having a disagreement, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. But we, uh, we started more recently working in Harlem um, where it's much more of a tribal atmosphere. And, yeah, and you're an outsider. Yeah, absolutely, and it's um, it's and it's very much groups of guys on the sidewalk, and and the the triggers for spotting a violent situation erupting are completely different in Harlem as opposed to the West Village. You know, right. shouting now, and screaming in the West Village is is an unusual thing, whereas in Harlem it's just the way people communicate. You know, it's a very right. different culture. Right, and that is really really critical because part of what are we're wired for is. When we create our tribe, our tribe has ways, and we assume the, those are the ways of the world. Okay, now, that is more of a modern conceit rather than what it used to be, which was you knew that those of other tribes had different ways. Right, so you have your ways, they have their ways, but more importantly, you also have ways that you interact with members of the other tribe. Okay. Right, right. And that's one of those things that I I often tell people, and when I start talking about egalitarianism, people kind of look at me like, where did you go off to that left field? (laughs) But the thing is, one of the problems with this new and improved version is we've forgotten how to deal with members of other tribes. And that causes a lot of conflict as well as a lot of fear and concern about, I don't know how this person is going to act. Yeah. Uh, And being in our tiny little spaces and never, ever venturing out, that's not helping us. No. As a matter of fact, what's kind of scary is, there's evidence that a lot of what's happening is we're pushing back towards small tribal units. We're making distinctions when they say that the world, you know, we're one nation or, you know, when people start talking about the whole world, it's like the human brain goes, uh-uh. You know, I don't I don't buy that, that the entire world is my tribe. Um... But where it gets really winky and weird is when people are going, oh, well, animals are our tribe, trees are our tribe, you know. Um, And that's where people just like, no. You know, I make a distinction between me and animals and trees. Right? (laughs) But, see, that's the idea of when you try and expand the tribe too big, the the brain goes, "Uh uh-uh. Right? And, I mean, that's where when we talk about the polarization between, like, say, political parties, that is tribalism in action. It's trying to reduce the world down to a smaller, we're good guys, you're the bad guys. Right, right. And I, I hate to interject, but we've we got a, a bunch of people in the chat room tonight oh, cool. on the radio show. And one of them, uh, who's, who's actually a, a teammate of ours from Illinois, um, was asking, have you got any advice for people who are completely new to self-defense? Where's a good place to start, especially if you're not strong or flexible yet? 
any any thoughts on that? Wow, there's two things. Number one, swallow your pride. Okay. Swallowing one's pride is that you don't think you don't tell yourself you know everything. If you don't know something, admit it. Okay. Feel free to walk and talk to people who do know it. Okay. You can actually move through different cultures, different groups, different places if you are honestly and sincerely trying to understand their ways. Um, they will actually kind of look at you and go, you're adorable, cool. By the way, this is how we do it here. Um, and that, that is a wonderful approach, okay? Being not too proud, you know, and being willing to admit that you don't know something and showing sincere interest in other people's ways of doing it, not telling them, I mean, ask him, why do you do it this way? And listening instead of taking it as an opportunity as to you're going to tell you, tell them why your way is better. Okay. Um, be polite. There are certain, yeah, there are certain rules or certain things that if you know you're a stranger there, don't violate certain rules. Okay. Think about all the rules that you follow unconsciously that you or subconsciously you don't even think about it okay every oh, for example when i go to uh to england i have to consciously remind myself to walk on the other side of the road <laughs> yeah yep yep i know that right yeah and i mean it uh, but when i talk about road i'm talking like escalators <laughs> and stairwells yeah. You know, I'm coming up on in what in the US is the quote correct side of the road, but everybody's looking at me like you're on the wrong side and it's like, "Oh, sorry, working out of habit here." Right? See, the rules are different, but what matters isn't that the, what the rules are, what matters is that everybody follows them. Same. Doesn't matter if you're driving on the left or right side of the road, as long as everybody's doing it. So the question, the first thing is pay attention, right? But put aside your pride, pay attention, ask what the rules are, and people will bend over backwards to help you, right? If you show yourself to be a sincerely interested person, they'll also look out for you. Yeah, that, that's a very good point, actually, because... You know, my experience of martial arts gyms, uh, they're plagued with egotistical kids coming in who have been to some other club and they want to tell the instructors how they used to do it and how they're so much better. And like you say, anyone who's just humble and just comes in um, mm-hmm. willing to learn is, is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it's like, great, you want to learn? Wonderful. Yeah. Um, that works there. It works all over in in so many different places. The second thing is... When you pay attention, you'll discover, once you re- see, see the rules, start following them. Okay, you want to know a really good safety tip for operating in neighborhoods where there's a lot of bad guys running around? Do we? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. 
when the family when when the families with kids disappear, leave. Yeah. Right. Very good. Yeah, right. that is good advice. Say, there you are. You're out there. Whatever. Whether you're shopping, whether you're uh, at, a, at a, a gathering or something like that, when the kids start disappearing, that means you're talking about shift change. The next crew's taking over. Hmm. All right? You don't want to get mugged? Don't go down to Harlem at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Good advice for, uh, <laughs> right. but for see, our street the, patrollers. Yeah. But see, the thing is, or if you do go out there, move in groups. <laughs> right? Don't go alone. See, that is where one of the problems that it's it's a simple question to ask, you know, what can you do to be safe? Um, but it's really understanding how things work that's the best answer. And if you can operate along those lines, it's you're pretty safe. Okay, there's certain people, you don't cross them. Okay? Now, who are those people in what that neighborhood, when the locals know, don't mess with this person, and again, if you're nice to them and you're dealing with them, they will tell you. See that guy? Leave him alone. Hmm. Yeah, I I like that. I was going to say, I I like that point as well, because, you know, people assume that that these public safety patrols that we do, that, that... you know, most of the people on the on the team are very heavily trained in martial arts with decades of martial arts experience, and 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 there's an assumption that it's a heavily violent thing, and we're involved in altercations all the time. Um, in the New York area, within five years, we've never had one situation that has actually escalated to violence. Every most time. of the time, it's talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, and I mean. You're great. Okay, here's the strange thing: human beings are actually amazingly nonviolent. Okay? For all my experience, for all the situations I have ever been in, my cat has been in more fights, more life and death situations, killed more things than I have ever. Humans communicate. Animals don't communicate as much. One of the things that we do is that we threaten violence all the time so we don't have to use it. That's interesting. Can you elaborate more on that? Don't make me come over there. There you go. <laughs> See? Yep. Okay. Exactly. I'll, actually, exactly. I'll tell you a story that I was walking down. I mean, I'm 55 years old now, right? I'm walking down the hallway at the local rec center, and I hear this pitch. And whoever she was calling shared the same name, right? So I hear, Mark! And (laughs) I flash back to being seven. (laughs) It was the mom voice. Mom was pissed. So here I am, this, you know, internationally feared badass going, oh, mom found me. 
Now, you That's know, an example. Hmm? That is. And and to to go further on uh, your example and, and part of what uh, Spectre was saying is I, I read something from you that said if you have to go physical, you didn't handle the situation correctly. I made a mistake. Now, that is honestly <laughs> – okay, let, let me also say – I teach police and military around the world. When I'm when I'm talking to police, I say that 90% of all situations can be de-escalated without using physical force. Mm-hmm. Now, just because they can be doesn't mean they will be. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, however, accepting that there is that 10% change is a game changer. Okay, that you go in there, and when I say that my goal was to talk it down without going physical. I am famous for my violence, but wait, what made me a good professional was my ability to talk it down. So I set the bar for myself to be rather impossibly high to keep doing the talking to see if there was any way I could de-escalate it. Because that became my standard rather than I'm just going to bash him on the head. (laughs) So, yes, the thing was, you know, realistically, you try to keep it from going violence as much as you can. But if you got to, you got to. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's a good choice. In fact, I think we have a lot of the... Mark, have you ever heard of the real-life superhero community? Yeah. Okay, I'm Actually, I'm I'm one of their heroes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, we've got a lot that are listening. Uh, Hi, guys. Yeah, and so a lot of them do street patrols, mm-hmm. uh, including my, um, my co-host. But mm-hmm. someone in the chat room is asking, what are his feelings? What are your feelings on masked street patrols and the message that sends? I'm honestly torn on that. Mm-hmm. Um, part of my, you know, I, there's a saying which I picked up years ago, which is better to trip on your feet trying to go, do good then do nothing and sit on your hands. Right. Right. So, bravo, kudos, you guys are getting up, going out and doing something. Yay you. <laughs> um, yet at the same time, there's so many people who don't understand, no, if you're going to do something stupid and dangerous, be smart about it. Right. Right. And it's like... Pay attention. <laughs> Learn the ropes before you think that you know something, right? Which, again, you can't spot abnormal until you know what normal is. So, you know, people going out and doing the, doing this, I do think, are really good because I have problems with the modern society's direction of let, well... If you let somebody, if it's somebody else's job to take care of your problems, right? Um, right. It's really nice. It's really wonderful. On the other hand, 
um, what's that person's agenda? Right. Mm. Right. Which, you know, if you give these people this power, that's a lot of power to give over. So, you know, although, like I said, I'm really glad people are getting out and doing something. Um, on the other hand, there are certain things that professionals know that it's not it's not just knowing what to do. It's knowing what not to do that will, or it's not knowing what not to do that will get you killed in this field. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of it is there are things that if you don't know this, if you don't know not to do this stuff, you're in great danger. Right. So, you know, the issue is learn what not to do. That's a great thing to put out there. Seriously, learn what not to do. And and don't do it because some people still know what not to do, yet they go ahead and do it just simply to get a response. Right. <laughs> yeah. You can tell I have a little experience with them kind. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things of, you know, very long time. You know, my thing is I was not violent because I was particularly aggressive. I was violent because I was surrounded by aggressive people. And really, I wanted to be left alone. Right? Just leave me alone. I won't bother you. You won't bother me. We'll get along great. Well, then there were some people who figured, hey, animal knows how to fight. I can go out and be obnoxious, and my friend will kick your butt. Oh. Did you consult with your friend animal before you said that? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, and I mean, so there is that there is that degree of, you know, some people it's like, yeah, I know what the right thing to do, but I got backup, so I can be an idiot. Uh, No. Right. Exactly. The overly aggressive girlfriend. Oh no! Oh right, the girl getting you in trouble exactly with her mouth. Oh man. Yeah, I've been down that road a few times. I learned to call them lowbrow breeders. <laughs> you know, because it's like I'm gonna prove I'm gonna have my man prove how much of a man he is by fighting you. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Right. Wow. Did I volunteer for this watch? Wow. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did have a quite another part of a question in the chat room on uh, self defense related, but. Uh, where's a good place to start if you're not particularly strong or flexible yet? Um, uh, they started with uh, yoga and jogging, but spent um, most of the first years of their life as a couch potato. Right. <laughs> Again, we're, we're we're looking at... Okay. People skills are bar none the best thing to invest in. Right, the ability to talk yourself out of a situation is a good skill to have, but also it will help you in your career, in your relationships. The better you get at communication, right, that's your biggest weapon. Okay. Now, once you try and go past that and go into some physical stuff, 
the question is, you know, what is good physical stuff? Well, not getting hit has always been high on my list. <laughs> cool. Okay, it hurts. I can tell you from experience. However, we have this little problem. Remember we were talking about social violence and fights? Right. Well, there's kind of a default fighting behavior that comes with humans. And this is what I refer to as hey diddle diddle straight up the middle. <laughs> um, another version of this is to think of railroad tracks. And you're standing on the tracks. And there's a train a-coming. Now, what do you do? Get the hell out of the way. Right. Except when you're in this part of your brain, in your, in this default behavior, the correct answer, or excuse me, the correct wrong answer is either you charge straight towards the train, you hunker down and brace for impact against the train, or you try and backpedal down those train tracks. <laughs> now, do you notice any consistent problem with all three options? <laughs> yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, you're still on the tracks. Right. The thing is, that is human human dominance behavior. Okay. And this is the thing. When people ask me, where do I start, you know, with the physical training, my answer is with any system that teaches you to get off the tracks. Hmm. Good answer. Yes, because you know what? It's easier to beat somebody up from behind than it is from the front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but True. if I'm standing there nose to nose with this guy, all his sharp pointy bits are pointed at me. <laughs> right? And I am not going to be doing anybody any favors if I stand there and let him beat on me. <laughs> but see, that's our default behavior. Okay. So when people ask about physical training, again, the main thing is getting offline. And I actually recommend doing evasive-type training in, or systems that do evasive-type training before you learn how to strike. That because, works. Yeah, punching is mimicking a fight, which means standing there nose-to-nose -nose with this guy. Okay. Mm. On the other hand, if somebody attacks and I get offline and then I punch him, he falls down a lot better. <laughs> that's a great. That that's thank you. You know what? That's really important point for you know getting out of the way first. Oh, what did Mr. The, Miyagi say? Yeah. He uh, said, uh, get, "Best defense, yeah, get out no fear." Don't yeah, get hit. Yes. Right. Yes. And I mean, this goes beyond. It's like, oh, look, the children, the family with children, they're gone. Me too. Don't be there. Right. Right. Nasty biker bar. Don't be there. Right. <laughs> Somebody's trying to drive your nose to the back of your skull. Don't be there. <laughs> There's a consistency here. Now, you know, I got to tell you, I got to ask you. 
I, I know I we're not done it. asking you about that, but <laughs> the cattle. I you know you you do ca- you drive cattle now. What do you you got cattle of your own? You're in no, I married into a ranching family. Uh-huh. Which uh-huh. you know the city boy among the cowboys. Yeah, that that <clears throat> yeah okay. That that's cultural shock. Thank thank you. My wife will tell me little details, like mm-hmm. okay, whichever way a cow is looking is the way he's going to move. <laughs> right, or she's going to move. Really important thing to know. If they're not looking that way, they're not going to move that way. So safe to be there, right? Right. When they look that way, there's a chance of them moving that way. Okay, horses don't do that. A horse can rear and buck and move without changing its direction of its head. Right. Okay, and, you know, I admit i got to go on a diet, but um, a 1,400-pound uh, bull is or a two thousand pound bull is way heavier than I am. <laughs> okay, so it it's kind of important to know which way that sucker's going. It's true. Yeah, yeah that that's, that that just cracked me up knowing that you uh that you handle cattle now too. So oh we have another question. Um let's see uh which uh someone's following up with your question. So which systems do you think are the best at getting you off the track? It depends. <laughs> See, we're learning. There you go. I'm helping. Um, yeah. The thing is, I have, okay, I think I was 45, 40, yeah, about, no, actually about 43. When the first time I saw somebody doing a karate kata and in a room full of people, I stood up, pointed at the guy, and I yelled, that would work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was Tristan Sutrisno. Guy, we wrote Becoming a Complete Martial Artist with him. Um, now, he, a couple other guys, Lee Gray, Sam Walker... I joke and I say that they made me eat everything bad about karate I ever said raw. <laughs> I mean, here, have some ketchup because it's going to make it go down a lot easier. <laughs> okay, now, that's that's the self-deprecating version. <laughs> the other version is these guys proved me right. Because what I had been shown, what I had been seeing and was told was karate, wouldn't work. Okay. These guys, all of them, get offline. Right? When you see these systems, and uh, Sam breaks things down, I like the way he does it, which is, like in Japanese systems, you have classical systems, which are pre-World War II, which are complete, they have all kinds of really fascinating, ooh, hey, this is how you handle a grappler trying to shoot, uh, do a, uh, a shoot, right? They have techniques for that, and they're really effective. Okay. You have traditional, which is post-World War II, that is taught in schools, that has been watered down, that is more about educating students than it is application, 
Mm. Okay, this is where you get all the, you know, the brouhaha about, you know, you must bow, you must do this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, then you have commercialized. Now, before we go on to commercialized, let's take another look at traditional, where they took away a lot of the nastier stuff and the more effective stuff. For example, they in traditional, a lot of traditional systems, they closed the fist. What had been open-handed movement became closed fists to reduce injuries. The closed human fist is one of the least effective ways to attack another human being. Mm. But you didn't know that. No, no, unless you're a boxer, right? But even then... Even then, nope, even then. Right. Right. But see, the thing is... The open hand tends to be faster. And, I mean, we think of a... And this goes back, by the way, when I said equals. This is a truly bizarre thing. We consider punching to be an act of equals. We consider open hand slaps to be a sign of contempt. Mm -hmm. When, in fact, open hand strikes are more powerful. Uh Uh-huh. You can hit harder with a closed fist if you're wearing equipment. Okay, but it requires equipment. And part of the reason you're hitting harder is the weight of the equipment. But what they did with traditional systems is they watered them down. So they could be taught in schools to children. All right. Now, commercialized schools have taken it and done it even They've taken out even more, and they've reduced the effectiveness even more. So, and this is a long roundabout way of answering when somebody (laughs) says, what system is it depends on the teacher? Is the teacher showing classical, traditional, or commercialized? Because I've seen people do the exact same style, cough, cough, hack, hack. (laughs) Right, that one guy will snap you in half, and the other guy couldn't fight his way out of a wet Kleenex. (laughs) (laughs) And and actually, that's interesting. You kind of kind of led onto a question I I really wanted. You know, my my background when I was training in the UK was in uh, White Crane and and Eagle Claw Kung Fu, and Mm -hmm. very traditional. There were there were lots of eye gouging and. Uh huh. Yeah, ripping out and you know ripping of flesh and skin and so on, mm-hmm. making them squeak. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll hurt. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously the problem is you can't spar that. You can't, you know, you can't train that with another person. And uh, you know, well, what's your feeling on on those? You know, those I guess you know more permanent damage doing uh, moves and how you actually you know trained you know for when you may need them. There's a time and place for everything. Okay, and. That's the ch- both the challenge and a lost concept. Okay, there you are. You're at a family reunion. Drunken <laughs> Uncle Albert is being Drunken Uncle Albert. Your mom walks up and says, could you take care of him? Right? Now, that is a situation where as tempting as it is to maim him and break him in half (laughs) Aunt Betsy is going to be really pissed (laughs) 
Okay. Now, so what do you do? Do you hit him? Do you beat him? Do you do all these things? Or, you know, if there's this thing called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is fabulous, and I mean this, absolutely no sarcasm. When you don't want to hurt somebody and you are in a situation where it is safe to do so, BJJ works out of the box, and it is great. You wrestle him down, you control him, you take care of him. Okay? Now, unless you come from a really dysfunctional family, nobody is going to be kicking you while you're on the ground. Okay? Well, yeah, like I said, dysfunctional family, or you're Irish. Um, <laughs> I can jam on my own people. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, the thing is, you don't want to do that in Harlem by yourself with 12 of his friends around. <laughs> right, right. Right. So the thing is, a lot of the, you know, the more brutal systems were designed to operate in places that did not have the rule of law. Okay. But at the same time, you have that, so then you by subtract, you don't actually make a lot of the more brutal systems safer um, by adding stuff. You actually make them safer by taking away things. So let's say that there's a move that takes three elements to make it work. Okay. Now... Those three elements will be great for Drunken Uncle Albert because there will be no injury. But the technique, the way it's taught, has five. Now, five is too much for Drunken Uncle Albert, but it's good for, you know, good for a fight, let's say. Okay. On the other hand, the original classical technique had eight elements. And if you do those eight things, you're going to tear them in half. <laughs> Right, but those same three elements are there in all of them. There we go. Right, yeah, that, that's interesting, and you know, and, and I, I must admit, this has come back to me more since becoming a parent over the last decade or so, and having two daughters. And you know, there, there are certain things that I, I've tried to teach my kids to give them self confidence and vape mm-hmm. and so on. But there are also techniques which. You know, God forbid, if there was ever a point where they were being attacked and, you know, in some kind of rape situation, mm-hmm. when absolutely go for the eyes, you know, and go right. for the eyes as we've, you know, drilled time and time again, you know. Right. It's, uh, you know, may call me paranoid, but I'd rather be paranoid. Gouging an eyeball out is very, very easy. <laughs> okay, I'm serious. It is not oh, yeah. a difficult. It is not a difficult thing to do. The challenge is knowing. What are the circumstances to do, when it's time to do it? Well, clearly when right. you're dueling another woman with a Hitori Hanzo katana, that's right. the time. Right, right. <laughs> or, or, you know, it's like it's developing, it's knowing when to do it and the developing the commitment to do it. Because face it, you know, again, human beings, peaceful, we get along. We get along really, really well. Um we're not we're taught it's wrong to hurt our fellow man, et cetera, et cetera. 
which, you know, when the boss pisses you off, no, you shouldn't gouge his eyeball out. Okay. But when it's time to take somebody's eyeball out, specifically like, oh, gee, I don't have a lethal force weapon, right, and this is a lethal force situation, um, you know, not hesitating to do it. Because if you try and do it with an ew, ew. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, and that's the thing. When I said, you know, the first time that gouging an eyeball out is easy, getting, knowing when it's time and having the commitment, all these people came up. It's like, well, I poked somebody in the eye and it didn't work. It's like, excuse me, you're talking about poking somebody in the eye. I'm talking about this guy's eyeball brushing his nostril. Exactly. Oh, right, exactly. There's a you difference know. there, like the difference between a domesticated dog, ooh, gee, it's a pit bull, ooh, gee, it's a uh, a Doberman Pinscher versus a Wolverine. Exactly. Right, and again, it's recognizing when a, a situation is social violence, i.e., don't gouge his eye out, right? <laughs> Aunt Betsy will be pissed. Um, versus when it is time to do that. Right. Exactly. Now, I've got to interject here as much as I hate to. We are down to one minute left, um, oh. which which sucks. We should have had it. For you, a three-hour show would have been great. Oh, well, you know, um, I can come back. Exactly just what we were just about to say. <laughs> so Good for, for Good those answer. of you um, who want to know more, you know, check out Mark's books. And and just seriously, I loved his professional's guide to ending violence quickly. That was one of my favorites. But you guys check him out online. He's got uh, what do you have? Like twelve books now or something? Uh, twenty six. Nice. Woo! See. Yes. So thank you so much. It's going to go into overtime. Anybody who wants to hear a little bit more of the show, you can catch it um, by listening to this live because um, they, they give us like a couple more minutes after it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to say thank you. So much because uh, you know when I first heard we were going to have you on, I was going, "What? Really? Okay, <laughs> that's awesome." So him, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I loved your nickname of uh, a Care Bear with a Hatchet. That was uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was a descriptor. <laughs> one of my favorite. A teddy bear Ooh. with fangs is another one. Yes, right. <laughs> a great one. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'll be the one to ask. Could you do a bumper for our show? A bumper. Now okay. hi, I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking at a car right there. Oh, hi, I'm Mark <laughs> Mac Young. All right, that one, one of those. Yeah. Sound like a professional. Yeah. Okay, yeah, g- give me the data that you want included in. Yeah, uh, we're just called Heroes 101 Radio, and that's it. So whatever you want to say. <laughs> and any anything you think will entertain. Yeah. This is Mark Mac, Animal Mac Young, talking to you about Heroes 101 Radio. Give him a listen. Woo! That'll do. That'll do it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're more than welcome. <laughs> so happy to hear it. But honestly, anybody else who's still listening, because like I said, they give us a couple minutes over the end of the show, and it'll be on, you know, when you listen to it, the archive, it's on there. Guys, go check him out. Read his books. They're, they suck you in. They they don't talk at you, you know, like some other books. They they pull you in, and you can kick back and go. It sounds like a buddy of mine is telling me how to do this. And mm-hmm. that's one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. That's what you want. Yeah. Exactly. Pretty much. Buddy to tell you. 
Yeah, and pretty much one of the things that I've been doing lately to avoid a lot of the martial arts noise is I've been writing a series of e-books that are available for two ninety nine called Writing Violence, which Whoa. I just talk about the realities of violence for writers so they don't make mistakes. And you can learn a lot about those. Whoa, that's fantastic. Okay, so they're on their e-books. I'm, I'm down. I got Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now it, I got something to do. <laughs> don't you have to leave there, the house. Yeah, there you go. You know, yep. and I have one on punching, uh, shooting, stabbing, et cetera. But the latest, the new one's coming out is on defense. Awesome. Mm. Yeah, okay. and I'm going to piss off a lot of people. <laughs> That's fine. Ruffle some feathers. We need That's some new do. new ideas out there, not the same old crap we've been hearing, right? Pretty much. Well, this is actually old stuff that works. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when, when is that one uh, available? Um, that one kind of depends on when the wife who's got MS uh, gets around to editing it. And that, I mean, it's written, it's ready to go, but she's got to edit, or excuse me, it's ready for go from my standpoint, but it's got to be <laughs> edited and all that. So it'll be out by the end of the year. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And and please give our best to her because we, we heard you were saying you were taking her to a doctor's appointment today. So Yeah, that that's the fun and games of... Uh, having a disabled wife. Right. You know what, though? We want to hear more about her when you come back because her velociraptor, <laughs> was that the, yeah, yeah. We, we would really like to hear about that, too. So if we can have you bring her back, that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. And by the way, she keeps me in line. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard that the toilet seat never stays up in your house. You know, there's something about three bricks broken in one shot. Yeah. <laughs> And on that, we want to say thank you so much for not only teaching us something, but for entertaining the hell out of us while being here. And we really look forward to having you and the Velociraptor and (laughs) back with you. (laughs) No problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Inspector, you want to bring us out as usual? Oh, well, I I guess so. So thanks very, very much to Mark McYoung. Thanks all of the people in the chat room, to my lovely co-host and Nightbug as usual, and check out Nation of Heroes when it hits the uh, screens tomorrow because it is equally awesome. Good night, Woo! everyone. Good night, and thank you. Good night, everybody. Don't want to get killed. Better clear on out the back. <laughs>